section three of rough notes taken during some rapid journeys across the pampas and among the andes by francis bond head this librivox recording is in the public domain the town of buenos aires the town of buenos aires is far from being an agreeable residence for those who are accustomed to english comforts the water is extremely impure scarce and consequently expensive the town is badly paved and dirty and the houses are the most comfortless abodes i ever entered the walls from the climate are damp mouldy and discoloured the floors are badly paved with bricks which are generally cracked and often in holes the roofs have no ceiling and the families have no idea of warming themselves except by huddling round a fire of charcoal which is put outside the door until the carbonic acid gas has rolled away some of the principal families at buenos aires furnish their rooms in a very expensive but comfortless manner they put down upon the brick floor a brilliant brussels carpet hang a luster from the rafters and place against the damp wall which they whitewash a number of tawdry north american chairs they get an english pianoforte and some marble vases but they have no idea of grouping their furniture into a comfortable form the ladies sit with their backs against the walls without any apparent means of employing themselves and when a stranger calls upon them he is much surprised to find that they have the uncourteous custom of never rising from their chairs i had no time to enter into any society at buenos aires and the rooms look so comfortless that to tell the truth i had little inclination the society of buenos aires is composed of english and french merchants with a german or two the foreign merchants are generally the agents of european houses and as the customs of the spanish south americans their food and the hours at which they eat it are different from those of the english and french there does not appear to be much communication between them at buenos aires the men and women are rarely seen walking together at the theatre they are completely separated and it is cheerless to see all the ladies sitting together in the boxes while the men are in the pit slaves common sailors soldiers and merchants all members of the same republic the town is furnished with provisions by the gauchos in a manner which shows a great want of attention to those arrangements which are generally met with in civilized communities milk eggs fruit vegetables and beef are brought into the town by individuals at a gallop and they are only to be had when they choose to bring them one of the most striking pictures in and near buenos aires is the young gaucho who brings milk the milk is carried in six or eight large earthen bottles which hang on each side of the saddle there is seldom room for the boy's legs and he therefore generally turns his feet up behind him on the saddle and sits like a frog one meets these boys in squads of four or five 
and the manner in which they gallop in their red cloth caps with their scarlet ponchos flying behind them has a singular appearance the butchers shops are covered carts which are not very agreeable objects the beef mangled in a most shocking manner is swinging about and i have constantly seen a large piece tied by a strip of hide to the tail of the cart and dragged along the ground with a dog trying to tear it the articles of life are brought together without due arrangement and the consequence is that excepting beef they are dearer than in london and sometimes are not to be had at all i happened to leave buenos aires just as the fig season was over and though it was the middle of summer no fruit was to be had the townspeople seemed to be quite satisfied with this reason and i could not persuade them that someone should arrange a constant supply and succession of fruits and not leave it entirely to the gaucho but the same want of arrangement exists in all instances if one has been taken out to dinner in a carriage and in the evening ventures to inquire why it has not arrived the answer is that it is raining and that those who let carriages will not allow them to go out if it rains during the short time i was at buenos aires i lived in a house out of the town which was opposite the english burying ground and very near the place where the cattle were killed this latter spot was about four or five acres and was altogether devoid of pasture at one end of it there was a large corral enclosed by rough stakes and divided into a number of pens each of which had a separate gate these cells were always full of cattle doomed for slaughter i several times had occasion to ride over this field and it was curious to see its different appearances in passing it in the day or evening no human being was to be seen the cattle up to their knees in mud and with nothing to eat were standing in the sun occasionally lowing or rather roaring at each other the ground in every direction was covered with groups of large white gulls some of which were earnestly pecking at the slops of blood which they had surrounded while others were standing upon their tiptoes and flapping their wings as if to recover their appetite each slop of blood was the spot where a bullock had died it was all that was left of his history and pigs and gulls were rapidly consuming it early in the morning no blood was to be seen a number of horses with the lassoes hanging to their saddles were standing in groups apparently asleep the mataderos were either sitting or lying on the ground close to the stakes of the corral and smoking cigars while the cattle without metaphor were waiting until the last hour of their existence should strike for as soon as the clock of the recoleta struck the men all vaulted on their horses the gates of all the cells were opened and in a very few seconds there was a scene of apparent confusion which is quite impossible to describe 
every man had a wild bullock at the end of his lasso some of these animals were running away from the horses and some were running at them many were roaring some were hamstrung and running about on their stumps some were killed and skinned while occasionally one would break the lasso the horse would often fall upon his rider and the bullock endeavor to regain his liberty until the horseman at full speed caught him with the lasso tripping him off the ground in a manner that might apparently break every bone in his body i was more than once in the middle of this odd scene and was really sometimes obliged to gallop for my life without exactly knowing where to go for it was often scylla and charybdis i was one day going home from this scene when i saw a man on foot select a very large pig from a herd and throw a lasso over his neck he pulled it with all his strength but the pig had no idea of obeying the summons in an instant a little child rode up and very quietly taking the end of the lasso from the man he lifted up the sheepskin which covered the saddle fixed the lasso to the ring which is there made for it and then instantly set off at a gallop never did any one see an obstinate animal so completely conquered with his tail pointing to the ground hanging back and with his four feet all scratching along the ground like the teeth of a harrow he followed the boy evidently altogether against his will and the sight was so strange that i instantly galloped after the pig to watch his countenance he was as obstinate as ever until the lasso choked him and he then fainted and fell on his side the boy dragged him in this state at a gallop more than three-quarters of a mile over hard rough ground and at last suddenly stopped and jumping off his horse began to unloose the lasso sta muerto he is dead said i to the boy really sorry for the pig's fate sta vivo exclaimed the child as he vaulted on his horse and galloped away i watched the pig for some time and was observing the blood on his nose when to my great surprise he began to kick his hind leg he then opened his mouth and at last his eyes and after he had looked about him a little like clarence after his dream he got up and very leisurely walked to a herd of ten or twelve pigs of about the same size as himself who were about twenty yards off i slowly followed him and when i came to the herd i saw they had every one of them bloody noses the house which i had near buenos aires was not only opposite the english burying ground but on the road to the recoleta which was the great burying place for the town about half a dozen funerals passed my window every day and during the few days i was at buenos aires i scarcely ever rode into the town without meeting one although the manners customs amusements and fashions of different nations are constantly changing and are generally different in different climates yet one would at first 
expect that so simple an act as that of consigning to its narrow bed the body of a dead man would in all countries and in all places be the same but though death is the same funerals are very different in the old world how often does the folly and vanity and vexation of spirit in which a man has lived accompany him to the tomb and how often are the good feelings of the living overpowered by the vain pomp and ostentation which mocks the burial of the dead in south america the picture is a very different one and certainly the way in which the people were buried at buenos aires appeared more strange to my eyes than any of the customs of the place of late years a few of the principal people have been buried in coffins but generally the dead are called for by a hack hearse in which there is a fixed coffin into which they are put when away the man gallops with the corpse and leaves it in the vestibule of the recoleta there is a small vehicle for children which i really thought was a mountebank's cart it was a light open tray on wheels painted white with light blue silk curtains and driven at a gallop by a lad dressed in scarlet with an enormous plume of white feathers in his hat as i was riding home one day i was overtaken by this cart without its curtains etc in which there was the corpse of a black boy nearly naked i galloped along with it for some distance the boy from the rapid motion of the carriage was dancing sometimes on his back and sometimes on his face occasionally his arm or leg would get through the bar of the tray and two or three times i really thought the child would have been out of the tray altogether the bodies of the rich were generally attended by their friends but the carriages with four people in each were seldom able to go as fast as the hearse i went one day to the recoleta and just as i got there the little hearse drove up to the gate the man who had charge of the burial place received from the driver a ticket which he read and put into his pocket the driver then got into the tray and taking out a dead infant of about eight months old he gave it to the man who carried it swinging by one of its arms into the square walled burial ground and i followed him he went to a spot about ten yards from the corner and then without putting his foot upon the spade or at all lifting up the ground he scratched a place not so deep as the furrow of a plough while he was doing this the poor little infant was lying before us on the ground on its back it had one eye open and the other shut its face was unwashed and a small piece of dirty cloth was tied round its middle the man as he was talking to me placed the child in the little furrow pushed its arms to its side with the spade and covering it so barely with earth that part of the cloth was still visible he walked away and left it i took the spade and was going to bury the poor child myself when i recollected that as a stranger i should probably give offence and i therefore walked towards the gate i met the same man with an assistant 
carrying a tray in which was the body of a very old man followed by his son who was about forty the party were all quarrelling and remained disputing for some minutes after they had brought the body to the edge of the trench this trench was about seven feet broad and had been dug from one wall of the burial ground to the other the corpses were buried across it by fours one above another and there was a movable shutter which went perpendicularly across the trench and was moved a step forwards as soon as the fourth body was interred one body had already been interred the sun jumped down upon it and while he was thus in the grave standing upon one body and leaning against three the two grave diggers gave him his father who was dressed in a long coarse white linen shirt the grave was so narrow that the man had great difficulty in laying the body in it but as soon as he had done so he addressed the lifeless corpse of his father and embraced it with a great deal of feeling the situation of the father and son although so very unusual seemed at the moment anything but unnatural in scrambling out of the grave the man very nearly knocked a woman out of the tier of corpses at his back and as soon as he was up the two attendants with their spades threw earth down upon the face and the white dress of the old man until both were covered with a very thin layer of earth the two men then jumped down with heavy wooden rammers and they really rammed the corpse in that sort of way that had the man been alive he would have been killed and we then all walked away end of section three